haven't been in the book of Revelation. It's been a few services since we've been there. And um, I think a few Wednesdays ago, I mean, uh, rather a few Sunday nights ago. And um, last time we preached on Revelation chapter number 12, we preached on uh, wonders, a woman, and a war. And so we're going to try to preach the rest of that chapter um, tonight. And I'm try to finish that chapter out and uh, go from there. As, uh, as you most likely noticed as we uh, went through the first six verses of this chapter, um, you may remember that it, it uses a lot of symbolism. Um, and I think there's prominence to that. Um, but it uses a lot of symbolism such as there's a woman and uh, she represents Israel. And there's a dragon, and it represents the devil, and so on and so on. It's, it's a lot of symbolism, and we'll see, the, see that continuance throughout the rest of this. So let's read verse 7 through 17. The Bible says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. His angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren, is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives into the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he, perse- he persecuted the woman which, bef- which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent." The serpent cast out of his mouth waters as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's no need to add an 18th verse to that chapter, however many Bibles do. Um, but, but the Bible's clear that it's got those 17 verses, and we'll, we'll try to preach those tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We do thank you for your goodness, grace, and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for helping us, God, and bringing us back to the house of God again tonight. I pray to God in the name of Jesus that you and you alone would be magnified. And, Lord, that we would be uh, sensitive to the Spirit of God, Lord, that you would be able to work in our lives, Lord, and we'd be simple. Um, Lord, to the things of God tonight. We love you. Keep our minds open, our eyes open, Lord, our hearts open to the things of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so here we, here we see in this chapter that he uses those um, symbol, symbolism. And, the, and Satan, is, um, Satan is represented in many different aspects and many different avenues. And we see that very clearly in this chapter, but... Uh, one thing I just noticed, actually, while reading it, that I didn't notice while I have been reading through this, is that the simple fact is, is it changes in each action in which he does, uh, and, and that's I think I find that pretty um, in verse thirteen. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, verse thirteen, uh, fourteen. Uh, um, 
and out of the face of the serpent, and the serpent cast out his mouth, um, and then 17, and the dragon. So, so it uses different, it, it moves back and forth, but nonetheless, um, it does not change throughout the rest of this. And so it, it gives us a clear view on the first part of this chapter. The second part of the chapter will give us slightly a clearer view, hopefully, of the first part of this chapter. And, but, but, but the things really heat up, if you will, from here on. They really heat up, and, and th- there is war that has been fought. But the war was not in heaven. The war was not on earth. Part of the world war could have been described to be on earth, but the war was in heaven. And it says, and there were war in heaven, verse number seven, and there was a war in heaven. And, and what? What? On earth, sure, sure, but, but not in heaven. Wars don't happen in heaven, but earth has always been a place of war. Get this, according to um, Wikipedia, there's uh, in the 6,000 years, not just normal Wikipedia, but in the 6,000 years of human existence, or, or close to 6,000 years of human known existence, anywhere from 5,700 to 6,000 years of known human existence, there have been, it's said to be, 14,532 wars. Do the math. That's a lot of wars. So, so I mean, on earth, sure. But heaven? There's a war going on in heaven here. And that's crazy to me. But how, however, here in our, that's exactly what is taking place. There's a war going on in heaven. And in this war, we find the victorious day. Satan is forever cast out of heaven. And he has had access ever since he, he his rebellion. He's had access to heaven, the third heaven. But this will be his final trip. And so I believe these verses can bless the saint of God. But I'll be preaching our 26th message in our series entitled The Revelation. And, and we will preach on a war with the wicked one. A war with the wicked one. I want you to notice... Very clearly a few things in this passage that we'll note and um, go through them as quickly as possible. I want you to notice, number one, that there is the description of the wicked one. A description of the wicked one. Now, now he, he's described very clearly in these verses. And many, you know, many verses actually throughout Scripture totally, many verses throughout all of the Bible give us a very clear view of Satan and who he is and who he was. And um, such as Isaiah chapter 14, uh, um, verse 12 through 20, and Ezekiel chapter number 28, verse 12 through 19, and, and, and 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. I'm just giving some examples tonight, right? Everybody listening to me? I'm just giving some clear examples. Just simply, uh, you know, the Bible gives us insight on who Satan is and was. And insight such as Ezekiel, that was before insight, and then before he was cast out, rather cast to the second heaven. And then there's Isaiah, gives good insight as, he, as he's working in lives that I will be lifted up above the Most High, and I will do this, and I will do that, and so on and so on. And then First Peter gives us an action on earth that he does. You know, he's like a roaring lion walking the bow. 
seeking whom he may devour. And Job gives us a little bit of insight on who Satan is and his actions upon the earth. And he's roaming to and fro among the earth and, and so on and so on. But this one gives us a pretty clear insight on the devil as well. This passage does. And notice with me, number one, he is described as, e- as wicked as wicked. So we got the description of the wicked one. He's described as wicked by the titles in which he holds. In the titles of which he holds. In chapter, in chapter 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Uh, and so it gives us that titles that he has. And, and so he's told to have several titles in this. Uh, and these certainly tell us about him, wouldn't you think so? We see the first title in which he's given is he's called a dragon. He's called a dragon, and that word means a winged, a mythical creature, and it resembles a, a serpent, if you will, with four legs, long tail, and that sort of stuff, and it's nothing but a wise tail. It's nothing but a mythical creature. Uh, um, there's no such thing as a dragon besides, you know, what you got, like a bearded dragon or that sort of stuff. There's no such thing as a dragon, if you will, but dragons are usually associated with things such as a um, um, uh, fire and, and, and fierceness and uh, um, brutality and violence. And, and what is that show that has the big dragon? Somebody help me there. Cartoon show. Old show. What is it? G.I. Joe? Is that what you just said? No. That one's a nice dragon. Don't anybody know that? What is it? No. I don't know, but it's a big old huge dragon. It's walking and crushing tops of buildings and that sort of stuff. Godzilla, thank you. And, and I'm just thinking about that sort of stuff. You get what I'm saying? And Isn't that a dragon? Whatever it is, it's, it's something along those lines. And it can blow fire. Y'all know what I mean by a dragon. You know, you think about those things and it's, it's superstitious, really. And, and, and people in the dark ages, actually superstitious people who were living in the dark ages lived in fear of a fire-breathing dragon. They did. You can read books of stuff like that. And, and I would say this is fitting to him. It's fitting. He's brutal and he's, and he's bent. He's bent on tearing down everything that has to do with God. He's bent on tearing everything down that has to do with God. Think of the people's lives that he's ruined simply by deception. Simply by deception. I mean, you just take that drink. Uh, but that, then they'll rise up in the morning and want to go back it again. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like a dog returning to his own vomit. And, and it's that sort of stuff. And think of all the deception uh, that he has and all the families that he's ruined. Uh, all by deception. It's a dragon. And then he's called, secondly, and was cast out in the old serpent. Of course, if anybody reads this, it's going to take their minds back to Genesis 3 and verse number 1. Uh, and it's going to take your minds back there and it's going to say, now the, now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts in the field that the Lord God hath made. Uh, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, uh, um, Thou shalt eat not eat of every tree in the garden? Has God not said that? 
I think I quoted that. I don't know, but I got it pretty close, I believe. And so hath God not said that thou shalt not eat of every tree in the garden? Think about it. He's, the, the, the Bible tells us very clearly that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the feared field that the Lord God hath created. The Lord still created it. Satan comes to Eve as a serpent. He entices and encourages her to sin. That's a good description of Satan. Right, I mean, that's just who he is. He's a serpent. Uh, and he gives us a picture of evil. Uh, and a serpent is something that's uh, sneaky and sly and, uh, and subtle and dangerous creature. And uh, he spends his time attempting to deceive everyone he encounters. Be careful. He's a serpent. And then he goes on to tell us a little farther. He's a serpent. He called the devil. So he's called the devil, and, he, and this word devil in the Greek terms means uh, um, diabolos. Diabolos. And it means slanderer. It means false accuser. And has not he been accusing us since the book of Job? The Bible says that the um, sons of God went to present themselves before God, and the devil was with them. Satan was with them, right? And so he's presenting himself and he's accusing the brethren. That's just him. But thank God for an advocate. Amen. Amen. He's called the devil. And then he's called Satan. This word means adversary. And this is what Satan is all about. He opposes everything that has to do with God. He opposes everything God is trying to do in this life. And in your life. And he opposes the people of God. He opposes the house of God. He opposes the word of God. uh, And he opposes the very plan of God. That's his idea. That's what he wants to do. uh, And he stands in open opposition uh, to everything that is decent. Everything that is holy. Everything that is right. He is an adversary. He is an adversary. And so we see very clearly he's described uh, as wicked by his titles. He's an adversary. Secondly, we see he's described as wicked by the targets in which he has. We've seen that he's uh, um, described as wicked as with the titles in which he holds and the targets in which he has. In verse 10, the Bible says, well, let's read the rest of verse 9. Deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused him before God, our God, day and night. And so it gives us a view by his titles, but it also gives us a view by his targets. It gives us who he is, the view of wickedness. And look at, look at what the Bible says about him here. It gives us two different perspectives to describe him to us. The first perspective is that he's described in his deception here. Now look at verse 9. The Bible says, which deceiveth the whole earth. Right? It says it deceiveth the whole earth. If you look the word up, deceiveth, it means to seduce. It means to lead astray. It means to lead out of the right way. And so this is Satan's desire. He wants to drag us away. It's just what he wants to do. I mean, it's sad how how many souls people, uh, how many people let him do that. He has a craving for souls. He does. 
is a craving for souls. C.H. Spurgeon said this. He said, consider how precious a soul is that both the devil and God are after it. Just consider how precious a soul is. And he reasons out ways to turn people away from God and away from Christ. And he's very good at what he does. And he can he can come. Uh, he can come. He came to Eve and Eden. He he came as a subtle beast. Still one that God had created. And that word means crafty and sneaky. And Satan deceived Eve, and he has been deceiving people ever since. He's out and about to deceive you. That's what he wants to do. I mean, it's 100% what he wants to do. And so we see here um, that he's described as one which deceiveth the whole earth. He deceiveth the whole earth. And so it tells us very clearly he's described in his deception here. And then secondly, we could see that not only he's described as deception here, but he's described... As his in, in his denouncing and denouncing in heaven. Now, verse ten, the Bible says in the latter part, and it said, "In the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down." So he's described as an accuser of the brethren, and and this word accuser means to make an accusation. It's pretty clear what that word means. But how we live would matter more if we realize Satan is using everything for his own good. It would matter much more how we lived our lives if that were the case. He stands before God and he points out our sins and he points out our failures. He's not wrong about them. The bad thing is he don't have to lie. He does not have to lie about us because we have every failure and every sin in our lives that he has a a ready supply of accusations to make against us. Yet when he opens his mouth and he, uh, he declares his case uh, um, this, uh, against the saints of God, uh, um, but the saints of God have a man on the inside of them. Uh, and he, uh, and we have a lawyer that's in heaven. That's the wonderful thing about it. He stands uh, as accusation, as an accuser of the brethren. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, uh, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Uh, and he's the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, and the Bible says, uh, um, Now unto him uh, which is able... which is able Able to save them to the uttermost, which coming to God, um, in, which uh, let me just turn there. I, I ain't gonna butcher that verse. Uh, I, I'm close to getting it. Uh, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for us, wherefore He's able also to save them uh, to the uttermost that coming to God by Him. Seeing He ever liveth, to, I, I quoted it right. Somebody say, "Man, He ever liveth to make intercession for them." Uh, um, that's a fact. Uh, the word advocate in First John chapter one, uh, two and verse one uh, means one who pleads another one's calls uh, before a judge. Uh, and so we're there and Jesus Christ is our advocate uh, and He stands up to declare us as just uh, and us as justified uh, and He pleads our case by showing the nail prints uh, um, that are in His hands and in His feet uh, and He pleads the blood He shed on the cross. Isn't this good? Uh, I mean, come on now. Uh, as the perfect, eternal uh, um, payment for all of our sins 
sins. And when the Father cries as the mediator justifies us, the Father cries, case dismissed, not guilty. Everything they've done has been put under my blood. Hallelujah, thank God. It's good enough, amen. Amen, I'm glad for that. He's maybe the accuser of the brethren, but man, my sins have been paid for. The description of the wicked one, we want to know secondly, the defeat of the wicked one. The Bible says, And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither whether his place found any more in heaven. And we read that he was cast out, his angels were cast out with him. And then we read, and heard a loud voice, and so on. We'll get to those verses in a second. So, isn't it a glorious day to read that Satan is defeated? He's not eternally defeated yet, but he is. Um, It's as good as already done, amen? Amen. I'm thankful for that. We see, number one, there's a soldier that rises in war. The Bible says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought with his angels. We do not know who um, starts this war in heaven, but we know who wins the war. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for that. The angelic hosts of heaven are led in conflict by um, an angel named Michael. Michael means who is like God. That's what his name means. And he's a special angel. In the book of Jude, chapter, um, the only chapter in the book of Jude, verse number 9, the Bible says that he's an archangel. That's what he is. And I can't tell you everything about that, but in Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 13, he's called one of the chief princes. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, he call, he's called the great prince. Um, but the soldier Michael, he stands up against Satan. And he leads the heavenly angels in a permanent, permanently getting Satan out of heaven. It's a charge that Christ has empowered. Amen. And verse 8 tells us, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. It means he lost his seat. Verse 9 tells us that he and his angels were cast out into the earth. The words cast out means to let go of a thing without caring where it falls. Amen. They didn't care where it falls. Satan is forever cast out of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen, friend. I had a I had a real good time studying this. I'm not gonna lie. I had a real good time with the Lord, and so I I don't know. I feel like it, you, sometimes you preach things you feel like they'll go over differently than they are going over. But I'm still feeling the spirit of God, so I'm not saying that. But some that's my mind. Okay, to understand me, I'm not saying everybody ought to be shouting right now. Um, but there's a soldier, and he rises up in war. And he rises up and he's defeating the one. And he casts him out of heaven. See, Michael does. And then we see the saints rise in worship. The Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them by, before our Lord God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And so when Satan is cast out of heaven, all of heaven's um, cup runs over, I guess you could say. It runs over. Saucers are now filled. Everything's good now. Amen. He's cast out of heaven. So heaven literally explodes in praise and worship. 
and thanksgiving and the, their tormentor, their, their accuser of the brethren, the enemy of God uh, and the most feared and hated being in the universe uh, has been forever expelled from heaven. So the saints of God that are in heaven uh, um, here in this text, uh, they praise God and the Lamb for the power and the glory uh, in overcoming the devil. Then in verse 11, it seems to change context a little bit. All of heaven shouts, who is verse 11 speaking of? I personally believe that verse 11 is speaking of those who have been martyred. Those have been martyred, and what a blessing to read this verse. Think about it. Even in the midst of the darkest days of the great tribulation, there will still be those that overcome. Amen. Think on these things, all right? They overcome, number one, by the blood of the Lamb. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. They did not fall for Satan's lies that religion would be good enough. They did not fall for his lies that they were good enough in themselves. No, when they saw their condition, they turned to Jesus by faith and they were washed in the blood of Calvary's flow uh, and they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I believe uh, that they overcame uh, by the faith of putting their faith uh, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, It does not go back to the Mosaic Law uh, while in the tribulation. Uh, I have like I have been told by some preachers uh, I haven't seen a single mention uh, in 12 chapters uh, of the book of Revelation I have not mentioned, heard one single thing about sacrifices uh, besides the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ that has already been sacrificed uh, I've not heard one single thing about the law uh, in this book uh, um, besides there's going to be Jews there uh, but I will tell you this uh, um, they have overcome Satan uh, by the blood of the Lamb uh, and they've been washed in the flow of Calvary. Uh, and he may take their bodies, uh, um, but their souls he could not take. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb in the war. They overcome him by the word of their testimony in the war. Uh, and it's one thing to trust in Christ. Uh, it's another thing to announce that trust in Christ. Uh, um, but here they are in the midst of the great tribulation. Uh, and when they were pinned to the wall, they wouldn't renounce Jesus Christ uh, and their faith in Him. Uh, when they were pinned to the wall with a gun to their head, uh, um, they said, I still love Jesus. Uh, and it did not matter about anything else. Uh, in a day when you will die if you claim Christ, uh, um, they stuck with a spoken testimony Testimony. It says the word of their testimony. Um, they were not quiet about their testimony uh, of Jesus Christ. No, they spoke it. Uh, and they spoke it proudly. Uh, um, they said, I'll stand up for Jesus. Uh, I'll come hell or high waters. Uh, I'll come death. Uh, or it does not matter. Uh, I will stand for Christ. Uh, and thank God we can say that today, friend. Uh, um, they won the war. Uh, they might have lost their lives, but they won the war. Uh, um, they loved loved him more than they loved themselves. Uh, and friend, they would have rather died uh, than to deny Jesus Christ uh, as their Savior. Uh, stand firm, beloved. Uh, it's going to be okay one day. 
They have the word of their testimony. And then it goes on to tell us, and they love not their lives unto death. And they loved Him. The Bible says in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters and yea, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And that is what it is. They attained victory by the blood. They displayed it by their outward appearance, by their testimony. Testimony, uh, and they held the attitude inwardly uh, um, by loving not themselves, but loving God. Amen. Amen. The martyrs, it's all about them. It's all about God. And they overcome Satan. They didn't get deceived. They didn't fall into his trap of deception. And they didn't get deceived by him. Uh, but simply, they trusted in him. Amen. And they believed it all until their death. They clearly died. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They died. Thank God for people to stand for, stand for God. Even unto death. The description of this wicked one. The defeat of this wicked one. Lastly, I want you to notice the defense of this wicked one. Satan does not like being cast out of heaven. It's pretty clear that he doesn't. He now turns his wrath to the only place in which he can still operate. And we'll go through those verses in just a second. But I want you to notice, number one, there's a fierce anger of this wicked one. Look at verse 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, O to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. There's a woe that's given unto the inhabitants of the earth. And the anger of Satan is serious. It says, that, it says very clearly, he says, that's great wrath. He's, he's not happy about what just happened. He's not happy that he'd just been cast from the third heaven. He's not able to go back and accuse the brethren anymore. He's not able to do what he has always loved to do. He's not able to do that anymore. Uh, he knows that he only has a limited time left before the eternal plan uh, of the Lord is finished. And he knows that he's facing, facing certain judgment that's about to come. And since he cannot vent his anger towards heaven, and he can't vent it towards God any longer, then he turns his hate, hatred towards the people of God. And so there he is. He's angry. He's got a fierce anger. Then he's got a focused aim. We'll preach these last verses. When the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. We know who that is. That's Israel. The man-child is Christ. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. We'll read those in a second. So the central aim of Satan's anger became the nation of Israel. And as we saw in verses 1 through verse number 6, Satan hates Israel. And he does everything in his power to destroy that nation. He has forever. And, and these verses were given a few more details of that terrible time when he's trying to persecute Israel very clearly. And we see, we're told that Satan persecuted. The Bible says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Verse 13. He persecuted. That, that word persecuted in a lot of different terms. It has actually a lot of different meanings. But one of the meanings in which I found that it means, it means to chase. And it means to pursue. And, and I cannot say in detail exactly what that means. However, Satan goes after Israel with destruction in his mind. Yeah. 
He's going to destroy them. And the Lord still protects her. Because verse 14, the Bible says, And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. So we see that. The serpent's not going to be able to see her because she's protected from the face of it. Thank God for that. Amen. But, but, but we can use first mention, okay? Hermeneutics. Uh, according to the, uh, and derive it to children of Israel. So the Bible says in, in, in Ex, Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, the Bible says, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you up unto myself. So Jesus, see what's happening here. Let's read verse 1 to get the context. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt. So we're talking about the children of Israel, and they've go, they're going out of the land of Egypt. The same day came they unto the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim. And when came and were, count, were, were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the, out of the mount, and saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, meaning Israel, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle wings, and brought you unto myself. There's a first mentioned principle. What is it, what is it giving us a principle? It's giving us a principle that those eagle wings are for protection. They're for protection. They're for the bringing out to bring in is what they're for. They're for the carrying out and to carry in to God's fold. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing what? It's amazing to me what that is talking about there and how that gives us such a great principle. Because the fact is, the Bible says, and and so so he said, You have seen what I've done unto the Israelites. How, basically, if we were to add to the Bible, he would say, you've seen what I did to the, uh, to the Egyptians, how I just put them waters right back on top of them. You've seen what I did to them, and how I protected you and put you on eagle's wings. Uh, and here we are seeing it again, where the Bible says to the woman, we're given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Gives us an image, image of protection. Her protection. It, it's symbolic. And we read that. And God brings Israel into a place of safety that he, will, he has prepared for them. Can't tell you where this is, okay? No man can tell you exactly where this is. But there, he'll feed them. And he'll, come, he'll care for them. In that time. For a time and times and half a time. Don't know how long that is, but I can't say it's at least three and a half years because she's going to be protected for that time. Amen. And so, so Satan will be prevented from totally destroying the nation of Israel. And then verse 15, And the serpent cast out of his mouth waters of flood after the woman. Remember that symbolic. There's a lot of symbolic symbolism here. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Tells us of it, it's it's clearly speaking of an it's it's representing an attack. Okay, we can't we can't say exactly what that is, but it's an attack. There's some sort of attack that's taking place here, and this attack of Satan is represented as a great flood of water. 
I don't know what else it could be besides an army. But it could be water. I don't know. But I know who controls the water and it isn't Satan. So, so, but he will pull out all the stops. He'll pull out everything and he'll try everything at his disposal to, to, to destroy Israel. But even the earth gets involved. Verse 16. The earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. We can't answer what that flood is. But the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed it. Amen. I trust that. Don't, do you trust that? I trust it because that's what the Bible says. I, I, don't, I don't care what it is, but whatever it is, I do care what it is, but whatever it is, the earth swallows it up. And the, I believe that can mean many things. I, I, it could mean there's, there'll be a lot of friendly nations of the, of the, of the, in the earth for, of Israel. There'll be a lot of friendly nations to her and Gentile people, maybe. And those Gentile people will reach out to Israel and they'll take um, them in and give to their need during those dark days. I don't know. Or, or it may mean that the earth will absorb all the blows that Satan intended for Israel. Whatever these images mean, one thing is clear. God knows what he's doing. It's very clear in that. And then verse 17 gives us, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make her war. So the dragon was wroth. Why was the dragon wroth? Well, the dragon was wroth because he didn't, all of his attacks done got stopped. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed. So some might have died. Seems to me that some still died because there's a remnant left. So it teaches us that there will be a faithful remnant of Israelites during the dark days of the tribulation, during that time. And there will be a multitude of Jews saved through the preaching of the 144,000 witnesses and the, or Jewish preachers and the two tribulation witnesses. There will be, there'll be many saved. And these redeemed Jews will they'll, they'll embrace the Messiah. They'll embrace the Messiah. The one that they rejected at first, they'll embrace him now. And the Bible says, the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So they, they do have the testimony, and they keep the commandments of God. Well, that's clear, right? So, so they're saved people. And that's what he's speaking of. And these redeemed Jews, will they'll, they'll hug up on their Messiah, and they will come back to the Word of God. They'll get out of their Jewish stuff, and... Um, the remnant, they'll be, they'll be persecuted for the faith, but there'll be a remnant saved. And um, God will have his final say, and he says that Satan loses and God's people win. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me, read, let me read a few verses for you to give us, a, give us another backdrop of this as Jesus preached it. I'd like to read it. Matthew 24. Check this out. We'll read it. The Bible says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one, one there shall not be, be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, to Tell us what shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. See what Jesus is doing there? He's telling them now what to do in the future. 
If they would just heard the words of God and told their children about it, and they told their children about it, and they told their children about it, don't you think they'd known? Right? So he says, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earths, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, you up to be afflicted. They're talking to the Jews, Jesus is. It shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be, be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false witnesses shall rise, and shall deceive many, and because... Iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that it shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That does not mean only if you endure you'll be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, which is what we're going to be seeing here soon, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down, nor take any uh, to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes, take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. To this time, no nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. It's very clear, everything that's said there. And Jesus gives them a few, full view on what will come. And I'm just telling you, many things will happen during the days of tribulation. Yet in the midst of it, you'll see some rays of light. All the thousands of years Satan has tried to defeat God and his people. We learned in that passage in which we just read in Revelation chapter 12. We learned in that passage that the one who has accused us when we fail and has condemned us by name, by, by name in heaven in front of God will one day be cast out of that heavenly city for good. And later he'll be cast out of the earth for good. He'll be cast to the lake of fire for eternity. Beloved, he's got it coming for him and he knows that. He knows that. He knows that very clear. We can rejoice now that his end is nigh. Thank God for the day. There's a war with the wicked one. Thank you for listening tonight. You can stand. Lord, we need your help tonight. We thank you, God, for helping us already in the preaching of the word. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just take these words, Lord, that have been preached tonight, Lord. And nothing be said, Lord, that is um, out of the way of the Bible. Pray, God, that everything that was said, Lord, was right along with your scriptures, Lord, in context and rightly divided. Lord, I, your word says to study to show thyself approved a workman. Lord, need not be ashamed, Lord. I pray, God, that, that everything that would be said in every realm throughout this book, Lord, would be right with you. And we ask you, dear God, to just give us the discernment and help, Lord, to take these words, Lord, and use them, Lord, when it comes to the things of the future. Lord, that we would understand them, Lord, in every manner of, uh, of aspect. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for bringing us to the house of God again. 
We ask you, dear God, to keep each person safe on the route home. Help us to be sensitive to you throughout this week. And Lord, we'd be faithful to the church of God, Lord, and the things of God. We'll love you. We'll praise you. We'll thank you in Jesus' name.